0: We do welcome you to our service this morning as we gather in the worship of the Lord and be around his table, remembering his death until uh, he comes. And we do welcome those who are visiting with us, and we trust you'll feel at home here amongst us. And those watching online, we welcome you as well. And wherever you are today, uh, we trust uh, that you'll be blessed as you listen in uh, to our worship here. We're going to commence by turning in our hymnals uh, to the Psalm 118a. Uh, the Psalm 118a, there's a section of Psalms at the back of the hymnal, and it is Psalm 118a. O praise the Lord, for he is good. His mercy lasteth ever. Let those who are of Israel say, His mercy faileth never. So the Psalm 118a will stand as we worship, please. seated. Let us turn in the Word of God this morning to the Psalm 116, the Psalm 116, and as we come to pray and seek the Lord, let us read some of the words here. Psalm 116. The word of God says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord o lord i beseech thee deliver my soul gracious is the lord and righteous yea our god is merciful amen and may the lord bless the reading of his word uh, this morning let us unite uh, together in prayer and let us seek the lord let us pray for our service here and let us seek him for His blessing upon us, especially in light of the Lord's table that we will remember at the end of this service. And so let us seek our God. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee this morning that we can lift our voices to Thee. And we thank Thee we can praise Thee. And we can rejoice in Thy goodness and in Thy great mercy. And we thank Thee, Father, that we as Thy people can rejoice in thee and love thee, because thou art a God who hears our voice and our supplications. We thank thee that thou art gracious, that thou art merciful toward us. And, Father, as we come to worship thee today, may we lift thee up and lift thy name up and lift up the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the one who came into this world to save and redeem sinful men. We thank Thee this morning that we can meet together and rejoice in the gospel of Christ and rejoice that there is a way in which sinners can be saved. We thank Thee that this table before us today reminds us that there is a Savior, that there is a way of salvation that there is a certain hope for those outside of Christ if they turn from sin and trust in Christ as their Savior. And, Father, as we gather here today, we pray for thy help. We pray for thy presence to be with us. We pray, O God, for the speaking voice of thy Spirit, that as we sing thy praises and as we read thy word and as we consider uh, the message that thou would have for us today, that Thou would write it upon our hearts, that Thou would speak to sinners, Thou would encourage and challenge Thy people. Lord, speak to those who are cold at heart, who perhaps once walked with Thee, once professed faith in Thee, eh, but now that faith is not as it once was. It is cooled. And Lord, we pray that Thou would stir up hearts again, and that Thou would challenge, eh, Lord, individuals concerning their soul. And as we come to thy table, we are reminded of the words of the apostle to examine yourselves. And Father, we pray today that each one of us would examine our hearts in light of thy word. We would examine our hearts and our love for the Savior. And we pray that we would leave this place knowing that thou hast challenged us, and that a walk with Christ has been changed. And may we rejoice in all of his goodness and grace toward us. Father, we do remember our congregation here. We thank thee for every family, every home represented. We pray for thy blessing (coughs) to be upon each one. And Father, we pray for household salvation. We pray that thou would be pleased to move in homes and souls to uh, the glory of thy name in saving those who've long been prayed for, those within our families who are outside of Christ. Lord, we do remember the needs that we have here as thy people. We do remember those who need that physical help, that physical touch from thee. We do remember Brother Vern and we pray for thy hand to be upon him. We remember his family circle as well. to we remember our sister Debbie, and we pray Father that she would know thy help and strength. Lord, we remember uh, others as well and uh, we pray that uh, thou would be pleased to uh, meet their needs and uh, give them that help, that strength. We do remember uh, Mrs. Greer as well and uh, her needs and we pray that uh, she would know thy hand of healing upon her as well. Lord, we uh, do remember Calvin Gallagher. We uh, thank thee for uh, the surgery that took place last Monday. Uh, We thank Thee for the encouraging reports regarding it, and we pray that uh, Thou would be pleased to uh, continue to minister to him and keep Thy healing hand upon him. We do remember the family circle also when we pray uh, for comfort and help and strength, that Thou would be pleased uh, to minister uh, to their needs. Lord, we look to Thee for Thy grace and for Thy help. Uh, we do remember our congregation here and uh, we do think of the radio ministry. We think of the Sunday school. Uh, we think, Father, of the online ministry as well. All these ways in which thy word is uh, proclaimed from this place. Bless, we ask of thee. Uh, may thy word a free course and be glorified. And, Father, may it be used uh, to save uh, the lost, uh, to build up thy people and to glorify thy name. We do remember our sister congregations and our denomination. We pray that thy hand would continually be upon us for good, and may we go forward continuously in our love for thee and in service for thee. And, Father, we pray that thou would open doors for the preaching of the gospel of Christ, and that would continue to establish thy church and glorify thy name. Father, bless us today. Close us in with thyself. Forgive us for our sins. And renew our love for thee, we pray. And do our souls good as we worship. And We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals to the hymn number three. The hymn number three. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. The hymn number three, we'll stand as we worship, please. be seated, and we're turning in the Word of God uh, to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, we'll take a break from our series in 1 Timothy uh, for this morning, and we'll uh, preach on uh, this subject here in light of the Lord's table, and then in the will of God we'll come back to First Timothy uh, next uh, Lord's day. Colossians chapter 3, commencing at verse 1, the Word of God says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry." For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which he also walked some time when he lived in them. But now he also put off all these anger, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man. Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, In all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives And be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Amen, and may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his precious and infallible truth uh, to our hearts. This morning. At this point in our service, we extend again a warm word of welcome to each one, uh, to those who are visiting with us, uh, those watching online, and uh, to those who regularly attend here. We welcome each one and we trust the Lord's blessing as we worship our God and our Saviour together. Do you remember the uh, various meetings for the remainder of today? After the service this morning, or at the end of the service this morning, uh, we have that time for the Lord's people around the Lord's table, uh, remembering his death till he come. And then at 1.30, we have our monthly service at Langley Lodge Curhome, and uh, we will meet there uh, to conduct uh, that service. So do pray for that, that the Lord would bless uh, our time uh, preaching the gospel of Christ to those in that home. Tonight we have our prayer meeting at 5.30 p.m., our evening worship at 6.00 p.m. And then tomorrow night at 6.00 p.m. we have our session meeting and then our board meeting to follow after that. So do remember those meetings for those who are the elders and deacons within our congregation. And then on Wednesday, 7.30 p.m., we have our Bible study and prayer meeting. And then next Lord's Day, the 10th of March, uh, at uh, We have our services at the usual times. 9.30 is the Sunday school. At uh, 10.30 is morning worship. 5.30 the prayer meeting. 6.00 p.m. evening worship. And then at 7.20 uh, we have a baptismal service. Uh, so do uh, remember that. Uh, young Brother Cole is being baptized. And we would encourage those within the congregation Uh, to come out for that special service, uh, to come for the worship service before that, and to come uh, for the baptism. And there will be food and uh, fellowship afterwards as well. On Saturday, the 16th of March, we have our men's prayer breakfast. And then on the 17th of March, I am preaching in Prince George and Williams Lake. And Mr. Alan Samuel, one of our elders, will be preaching at 10.30. And Mr. Sam Chow, who I don't believe is a stranger uh, to us here, uh, he has preached a number of times over the years. And uh, not during my time at this point, uh, but in the past he has preached here. And he'll be coming at 6 p.m. Uh, to bring the Word of God. Do you remember as well, Friday the 29th of March, it's our Good Friday service. And it is at 4 p.m. It's followed by food. And we will be remembering uh, the crucifixion of the Savior the following Lord's Day. We'll be remembering His resurrection as well. And we encourage you to invite people along to these services and to invite friends and family in on the 29th of March. Uh, There will be invitations. Uh, They are in the mail, and they should arrive sometime this week. And there'll be invitations that you can take and give to friends and family And on our Facebook page, uh, probably at some time uh, tomorrow, I'll post the invitation on the Facebook page. And there is a QR code that you can scan in the bulletin that leads you to the Facebook page. You can like and follow that. And you'll also have a poster with the invitation that you can share on your own Facebook page. And friends, family, uh, I think Facebook has a lot of friends that maybe aren't friends at all. Uh, But whoever is on your Facebook page will be able to see... Uh, that invitation as well. And so it's a means of outreach. It's an easy way of outreach. Uh, Just click sure and Facebook does the rest. And so uh, we encourage you to do that, to make this service known and so that others will come and hear the gospel of Christ. These are all the announcements. They're subject to the will of God. And we're going to turn in our hymnals, to hymn 334. 334. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. 334, remaining seated for the first part uh, while our tithes and offerings are received. And then, after our brother prays, uh, we'll stand to sing the remainder of the hymn. 334.
1: God
2: and Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that we could be found in Thy house this morning. We thank Thee for the invitation to come and to worship and to hear Your word. and We ask that You would take our tithes and our offerings, that You would use them and bless them, that the word may go forth, that those souls can hear the message of our Lord Jesus and His love for them and His sacrifice. We ask that you bless us as we meet around the table. Bless us as we hear the word. And we ask that you would bless our pastor. Help him to preach. Give him unction from above. Give him joy in bringing that word. We thank thee, Lord, for all your goodness to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: we going to change our positions. We'll stand the hymn 334 and verse 4 when with the ransomed in glory his face I at last shall see. Standing to sing verse 4, please. seated. I want to draw your attention this morning in the Word of God to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, the passage we read from a few moments ago. And I want to consider today the verse 14. And the verse 14 here is connected to I suppose we could say everything that is being said, everything that is going on in this particular chapter. But the verse 14, the apostle is telling the people of God to show forth certain things in their lives, certain evidences of faith, certain fruits of the Spirit. And we break into that then, verse 14, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. In our King James Version, it says charity, uh, but the Greek word is agape, uh, which means love. And so in other uh, versions of the Scriptures, sometimes then it is translated love. But charity, love, it means the same thing. And above all these things, put on charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Amen. Let's unite together in prayer and let us seek the Lord as we come and hear his word. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee today that we can come before thee. We can consider thy word afresh. We can rejoice as we praise thee for thy so great salvation. And Father, as we come to consider thy word, we pray that thou would bless it to us, that thou would open thy truth to our hearts, that we would see something here of uh, the marvel, the wonder of thy love toward thy people. Father, we pray that our hearts would be taught uh, that uh, we would, as we come to approach thy table today, examine ourselves uh, to see if we be in the faith. Examine ourselves to see uh, our relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and with thee And Father, we pray today Thou would speak. We remember those outside of Christ. Lord, have that word in season through Thy word to them. And draw them to the Savior, we pray. And glorify Thy name in all these things. And give us grace and help and strength as Thy word is preached, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Apostle John said... If you were off the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not off the world, therefore the world heedeth you. This epistle, and especially chapter 3 of Colossians, are written to those who are the redeemed of the Lord to instruct them to set their affection not on things below, but rather on things that are above, on heavenly and spiritual matters. And therefore, we are not of the world. We are of our God and our Father in heaven. And so, as a result of that, as the apostle says, set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. And our affection as the church of Christ and as the people of the Lord is to be upon our Savior and to be focused upon him Matthew Henry, the Puritan commentator, said that the apostle exhorts us to set our hearts upon heaven and take them off this world. And Paul points out then in this particular passage the necessary truth that. The believer in Christ, the one who has trusted the Savior, the one who has turned from sin in repentance and faith and placed their trust in the Lord, they are to be different from those who are outside the flock of God because Christ is their life. We see that in verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. He instructs the church regarding their need in verse 5 to mortify or to put to death the sins that can so easily beset them. He gives a list of sins, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. He continues then, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication and lying. I'm the child of God who has been redeemed by the Lord, is to avoid such sins. And it is because of these sins that the Lord's wrath is upon the children of disobedience. And so the redeemed of the Lord, the Lord's people, are to act and live in a different way to those who are ungodly. They should live in light of what the Savior has accomplished for them. Simply put, living in light of Calvary, living in light of Christ's redemption. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning, and we are reminded of what the Savior accomplished for us, how he died for us, how he died to redeem his people. And we are reminded then very clearly today we're to live in light of this table. We're to live in light of the Savior's death and his sacrifice for us. The Christian faith has many distinguishing features. In Acts chapter 2, we read of how the converts on the day of Pentecost grew in their faith by following the apostles' doctrine and worshipping together. And in Colossians 3, the whole context of this passage is the instruction of believers in how they are distinguished from the world and from those who are not Christians. These believers were to set their affections not on earthly-minded matters, but upon things above because Christ is their life. They were distinguished or had this particular feature because of the Savior who had redeemed them from their sins. And in life, we all have distinguishing features. We are all different from those who are around us. As soon as I open my mouth, you know there's something different. You know that, well, he's not from around here. He comes from somewhere far, far away. And we can have different accents. We have different mannerisms. We can have different cultures and backgrounds that distinguishes all of us individually. And we all come from many different places. And our lives, and how we go about our lives, and the very food that we eat, is a distinguishing feature of who we are and the background that we have. And so it is spiritually, how we act spiritually, how we live spiritually, how we live our lives as God's people distinguishes us from those who know not the Lord Jesus Christ. And from verse 10, moving down this passage, we have an outline then of those distinguishing marks of a believer Compared to those who are unbelievers. In verse 12, the apostle says that the elect of God, holy and beloved, are to put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearance. And above all these things, we see in verse 14, they are to put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. And the apostle says, Emphasizes all these things and he comes to, as it were, the pivotal point. And he says to these believers, above all these things, you must have love. You must have love. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. But above all these things, there must be charity. There must be love. And I want to draw your attention then to this thought of love, particularly of the necessity of love. Being a distinguishing mark for the believer. The Puritan Richard Aline said that love is to a saint what malice is to Satan, that which gives force to all his actings, or to use a more modern expression, actions. Love is to a saint what malice is to Satan, that which gives force to all his actions. And our actions, dear believer, Our actions as those who know and love the Lord, everything we do and say should come forth from love. It should be that love of Christ that is within our hearts, that love that we experience as God's people that gives force to everything that we do and everything that we say. John Owen the Puritan said about the necessity of love, he said that it is necessary because it is the great way whereby we can give testimony to the power of the gospel and our witness to the Messiah, the Christ that was sent from God. The great thing we have to do in this world is to bear witness unto God sending Christ into the world for the work which he came, an act of love. And therefore, to show forth that to the world there's a necessity that we know what love is ourselves and we experience love and act in love. And so this morning, I want us to consider the necessity of love, the necessity of love. We have three simple thoughts that come from this passage. Uh, The outline is in the bulletin, as usual. And firstly, I want you to see that love distinguishes the gospel. Love distinguishes the gospel, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God is a gospel of love. Of that we have no doubt. In John 3:16, it says very simply, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And we would perish because of our sins, but those that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, all coming forth from that foundation of God's love. God loved the world. God loved the world that was filled with sinful men so much that he gave his only begotten son as that way of salvation. 1 John 4 verse 10 reminds us, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the covering for our sins. And in the gospel, we have, <coughs> we have that great display of the love of God and the love of Christ. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We have this love in view in Ephesians chapter 5. And this emphasis that our gospel is a gospel of love. Ephesians chapter 5 and the verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And there we have a statement by the apostle that is for the men, the husbands, to love their wives and their love is an example, a type of the love that Christ has for his church. And so husbands, the love that you have for your wife is a love that should show forth that greater love whereby Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm jumping a little ahead of myself in the structure of this sermon, uh, but it is an example of love. The love that is to be between a husband and a wife. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And here the word of God is speaking of the highest possible form of love. In the history of the world you cannot find a higher form of love than this. Christ loving his church and giving himself dying for them. Christ loved the church, and that term refers to the entire body of Christians, of all believers from all time who know and love the Savior. And that is the Christian gospel in view, how Christ gave himself for his church, a message of good news. That's what the word gospel means. The gospel is the good news of God to sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins, the good news by which they can be saved. And a distinguishing mark of that gospel is what we see here in Colossians. Love, love. And why is that so? What is so wonderful about the love of God? Because it is the love of God towards sinners. The apostle speaks in verses five and six of sin, and this sin is the cause of God's wrath coming upon the children of disobedience, the end of verse six. And he speaks about mortifying, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, and he gives a great list of sins. And so the apostle outlines who we are in the sense of this world, who we are by birth. We are the children of wrath. We are those who have sinned, We are those who have come short of the glory of God. We are those who have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And sin is rebellion against God. It is disobeying God. It is a failure to obey the law of God for his creation, which is us. Sin is brought upon mankind, that loss of communion and fellowship with God. His displeasure, his curse is upon man because of sin. It has brought separation between God and man. And now, spiritually and eternally, for God's eternal wrath is upon us. And we are those who have broken the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Have you broken His law? I could ask that question this morning and get you to put your hand up. Have you broken the law of God? And it's not an embarrassing question because if we are all truthful and that it is a reality, we will all put our hands up. We've all broken the law of God. We've not put him first. We've not worshipped him. We've not refrained from blasphemy. We've not respected and honoured his holy day nor his authority. We've stolen, lied, lusted, been filled with anger, hatred and jealousy. Maybe some of those things we may have avoided but we certainly have not avoided them all. There are things that we may not do. We may not blaspheme his holy name. And we may be very strict about that, but there are other commandments we're not so strict about. And all these things are against the law of God. The Bible says all have sinned. And that affects every single one of us here today. But there is a love that overcomes that sin. There is a love that overcomes that wickedness for in spite of who we are and what we are, the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and that is why the love is such a great distinguishing mark of the gospel of Christ for sinners are destined to God's hell for all eternity but out of love Christ came and loved the church and gave himself for it. But in order for you to see that this loving Savior is your only way of salvation, you must first see your sin before a holy God, sin that will destroy your life for all eternity. We spoke about Dr. Henry Cook at the adult Sunday School this morning and his great statement regarding Arianism within within the church in Ireland at that particular time. He said, That either we put Arianism down or it will put us down. It will affect the testimony and the witness of the church so much, the church would be useless for Christ. Either we put it down or it will put us down. And it's the same with sin, is it not? Either we put it down or it will put us down. But we can put it down, it is only through Christ. Through his gospel and through his death and through repentance and faith in him, that we can deal with that sin. And our battle within with sin goes on throughout our Christian lives as well. Paul is giving direction here for the believer to live for Christ and to avoid sin. But either it is put down or it will put us down. Either through Christ you put sin down, or that sin will put you down in God's hell for all eternity. But the gospel is a gospel of love, for God loved the sinner, and God loved those who'd rebelled against him. And marriage reminds us of that, as Ephesians 5 teaches us. Some will take that statement and about the gospel being a gospel of love, and they will focus so much on the gospel being a gospel of love that they will forget that the gospel is God's means of saving sinners from sin. They focus more upon the love of God than the wrath of God and the holiness of God. One of the Puritans said that sin is the insurrection and rebellion of the heart against God. It turns from him and turns against him. It runs over to the camp of the enemy and there it takes up arms against God. Sin is running from God and a fighting against God. It would spoil the Lord of all the jewels of his crown. It exposes or opposes the sovereignty of God. A sinful heart would set up itself in God's throne. It would be king in his stead and have the command of all. Sinners would be their own gods. And it is sin that sets man down that road to a lost eternity. Dear congregation, there must be an understanding of this. An understanding of what sin does. Young person, what about sin? What if your sin? It exists within you. It is something that is that is against God, and the great question that you must ask yourself in life is this how can I get rid of my sin? Is there a way that I can be forgiven? Is there a way that I can be delivered? the table in front of us today reminds us of that. There is a way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. If Christ is not your Savior, then may his gospel speak to your heart, convict you of sin, urge you to repentance. Because salvation is all of Christ. <coughs> the word of God tells us neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name unto heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, that you would turn from sin and repent and trust the Savior. The gospel is a gospel of love. Paul here is speaking of love within the life of the believer. But that love that is within the life of the believer comes from the gospel of love. Christ is a Christ, a Savior of love. God is a God of love. And therefore, any love that we have in the spiritual sense that Paul is dealing with here is a love that comes ultimately from the Lord. And we see, secondly, that love distinguishes the Christian. Love distinguishes the Christian. And this builds upon the thought then that the believer is born again because of the love of God. The life of the believer is a life that exists because of the love of God. And as a consequence of that, there is love throughout his life. In 1 John 4, verse 11, uh, the writer there says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And so because God loved us, there is that duty that we have to love one another. We are to love one another. I remember as A teenager, as a teenage boy, love wasn't really a word that we'd talk much about. We would never turn around uh, to our friend, our best friend, and say, bro, I love you. We just wouldn't do that. Girls might have expressed it a bit more, uh, but boys, no, we didn't use that word at all, but we felt the closeness of our friendship with our best friends, We never talked about love in that sense. But when we think of what Paul is saying here regarding love, there should be love within our hearts. What John is saying, we ought also to love one another. There is a love, a love toward the brethren, a love because of Christ, because Christ died for us and because Christ loved us, we ought to love one another. To care for one another, to pray for one another, to show Christian love one to another. And Paul is very clear here in Colossians 3 that there are sinful and wicked actions that the believer is to avoid. But there are distinguishing marks of Christianity and of faith in Christ that the believer is to cherish and practice. And this specific characteristic or distinguishing mark in verse 14 is that of love. And it is a fruit of the Spirit. If you turn to Galatians 5, we find that that is there. There are all sorts of evidences mentioned that are to be found within our lives. And love is one of them. And Paul says, above all things, put on charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Love is the most important of them all. John Gill, the old English preacher, said of love being the bond of perfectness, this is the bond of union between them which knits and cements them together so that they are perfectly joined together and of one mind and of one heart. It is the bond of peace among them, of perfect unity and brotherly love and a most beautiful and pleasant thing it is for brethren to live and dwell together in unity. And so the love of the gospel and the love of Christ so affects his redeemed people that they live lives of love for their Savior. Lives of love for their Savior. Our true life lives in heaven, lies in heaven, and we await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But while we're here on earth, there is instruction for us in God's word regarding love. For Christ and love for the brethren. There's instruction here in this chapter regarding the mortification of sin. If we love Christ, should we love our sin? If we love our Savior, should we love our sin? No, we kill it because it is the opposite to loving it. It is the opposite to loving it. And that word mortify means to put to death. Mortify, mortify the sin, put that sin to death by the help of God, and your believer to live for the Lord, to show forth love in your life for the Saviour. That distinguishing mark. There is to be a putting to death of sin by the Spirit of God, by leaving it behind and living for the Savior. There's to be mercy and kindness and humbleness and meekness and long suffering. And love, all these things within the life of a believer shows forth the evidence of God's grace and salvation within your life. We're to put on love. We're to clothe ourselves with love. And as we clothe ourselves with love, as we live for the Savior, we see something here that this love in verse 15, it points us to the peace of God. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The peace of God. Do you know the peace of God today? Do you know that peace that comes from trusting in him, from knowing that your times are in his hands? Verse 16 tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And so our Christian lives are to grow, and love is the great bond of perfectness, but as we grow in our love for Christ, all these things flow from that. Peace And the word of God dwelling in us richly. Why? Because the love that distinguishes a Christian. It's a love for Christ. It's a love for his word as well. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. I love the Lord. Can you say that today? That your love for Christ distinguishes you as a Christian. Your love for the brethren your love for brothers and sisters in the Lord distinguishes you as a Christian. Your love for those who are lost in their sins distinguishes you as a Christian. Dear believer, as we come to the Lord's table, let us examine ourselves. Ask yourself that question Love, does love distinguish my Christian life? If I were to go and to say to the person beside me or say to my family, is there love within my life? And they were to give me a true answer, what would they say? Would they say there is love? There's love for the Savior. There's love for others. Would they say there's love, but you need to work on some things. There's love, but you need to show more love. Oh, how often do we need to show more love? More love. Dear believer, let us challenge our hearts. Love distinguishes us. It is a necessity within our lives. As Christians, we just can't say we're not going to have love because love distinguishes the gospel by which we receive. Love distinguishes the believer. The apostle says, put on love. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. There's a necessity here. We cannot live a Christian life without love, without love. And then thirdly, and finally we see moving down the passage that love distinguishes marriage. Love distinguishes marriage. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. One of the Old English Puritans said that as for the qualifications of a husband and wife, I would advise all to look at true religion in the first place, that those who marry be said to marry in the Lord. If you're looking a spouse today, as a believer, who do you look for? Oh, there might be many many characteristics that you look for. You may look back to when you were young and remember your list of characteristics and you might compare them to your spouse and think, my spouse doesn't touch in any of these characteristics. But your characteristics that you desire have changed and you love your spouse. But you maybe didn't set out that way that This is what you wanted in a husband or a wife. But God has brought you together. And there's that love and that bond and those characteristics are are set aside. I remember growing up, I never wanted to marry a foreigner. So in other words, I wanted to marry someone in my own area, my own country. As many do, but that wasn't God's plan. I'm happy and blessed that that wasn't God's plan. Uh, But we all have our own characteristics. And the thought of moving away and the thought of our relationship far distance, well, I just, that was the last thing on my mind. That's complicated, so just set that to the side. It's far easier to stay in your own country. But God had other plans. We can look back at our youth and think we were so silly But God was so wise in how He led us and directed us. But the great qualification, and perhaps the qualification that if we were walking with God in our youth, the qualification that should always be there is about true religion. Does our spouse know and love the Lord? Are we marrying someone who knows the Savior, who loves the Savior? Who has that same desire for Christ as we do? If you're desiring a spouse, that's that's the big one. That's the one that you need to desire the most. And when you're married, still desire it. And still pray and still seek the Lord that that would grow, that true religion as the Puritan said, will grow in your heart and in your life because of your spouse, and in your spouse's life because of your influence. And the apostle speaks here, he distinguishes marriage, and he says that love is a distinguishing factor of marriage. Ephesians 5 bursts into this as well. Husbands love your wives, wives. Husbands love your wives. A married life. How can love be displayed in married life? There's many ways. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of service. It's a life of thinking of one another, of helping each other out, of having Christ central. The greatest example of sacrifice is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And the apostle concludes this chapter with an exhortation to Judas. This epistle is taken up and displaying the glory of grace and the glory of Christ and he presses some of these important duties and this is a duty for wives and husbands to submit and to love one another because the love that we have in the gospel, the love that we have as Christians should flow into our marriages as well. It should be present there. And importantly so, why? Because the marriage points to Christ. It points to what Christ has done. It points to the salvation of Christ. If there are children within that marriage, the children are to obey their parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Obey their parents as far as the parent leads biblically within the home. And children, why do you obey your parents? If you're going to answer, because I won't get my dinner, that's not quite the right answer. You obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You obey your parents out of love for your parents. There's to be love within the family, love within the home that has its root within the love of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the love within your home, love within your family, love within your marriage, a love that speaks of Christ? Again, as we come to the table, examine yourself. Does this love need worked upon? Does this love need strengthened? Does this love need the Lord to come and uh, to deal with my heart so that I can love more and be more like Christ so that my marriage shows more of Christ? within the family, within the church, within society. Oh, that we would, oh, that we would know the Lord working within our hearts. And as we come to his table, as we come after considering the necessity of love, as we partake of the bread and the cup that reminds us of the Savior, let us leave thinking upon this. What a great Christ. What a great Savior we have. What a great Christ who died for us. Let me live for him. Let me serve him. Let his love working within my life distinguish me as a Christian. Let it distinguish my marriage as a Christian and my family as a Christian because I have a great Christ and I have a great Savior. May the Lord bless his word for his name's seek. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn in our hymnals to the hymn 335. 335. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me, who caused his pain for me, who him to death pursued. 335. We'll stand to sing. We'll sing verses 1, verse 2, verse 3, the first three verses. And then we'll sing verses 4 and 5 after the Lord's table. But we'll stand to sing verses 1 to 3 at this point, please. see Let us pray and seek the Lord. Eternal God and our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for thy word today. We thank you for love, the importance and necessity of love within our lives. We pray, Father, for grace. pray for thy spirit to show us where we are lacking in love and to help us to grow that love. May that love be rooted in thee and what thou hast done for us through thy son, our Savior. Lord, we pray that we would love one another. We would love thee. There would be love spread abroad through our families and our relations. The love would be the center. The love of Christ would be the center, as it were, for all that we do. Lord, as we come to this table, we pray that we would reflect upon the Savior. We would remember His death till He come. Lord, give us grace. May we examine ourselves and receive that grace. And may Father, we live for Thee. Bless this time around Thy table. We pray in the Savior's name. Amen. I'm going to turn this morning to First Corinthians chapter eleven. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and here we have the Apostle Paul speaking concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper, and giving the church in Corinth direction regarding that. There had been issues, in Corinth many issues about several matters, and the Lord's table was one of them, and of course the Apostle writes to put it right, and to make sure that they are doing things in order and in a way that glorifies the Savior. And so we'll break into the passage at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Amen. And may the Lord bless reading off his word, the Apostle sets forth the Lord's table, what it means to the church, the importance of it, but he sets forth a warning, a warning to those who will come and eat and drink unworthily. And this table that is before us today is a table that is specifically for the people of God, and not just the members of a particular local church but for all who are part of the church of christ for those who are part of the church invisible for those who've repented of sin who have faith in the savior who are desiring to walk in his ways it's a table for those who know and love the lord and if it is that uh, you do not know the savior you've never turned from your sin, to trust in him, then as the plate, as the cup comes before you, pass it by. Don't receive it. Don't partake. Lest you eat and drink unworthily. But for those who are saved and the redeemed of the Lord, he says come. Come and partake. Come and remember. Come and receive grace. As you remember the Saviour's." Death. May the Lord bless his word. May the Lord bless uh, the thoughts that we've considered, and may we examine ourselves and partake today that we would receive grace from our God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask one of our elders here to give thanks for the cup of Well, going to ask one of our elders to give thanks for the bread that reminds us of the broken body of our savior, savior. Shall we bow our heads?
2: Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that we can be present here. We thank Thee that we can hear Your Word being preached to speak of the love, the love that we should show. But much more, Lord Jesus, that greatest of all loves that Thou hast showed for your people, that you would come down from glory and take flesh, that you would take a body, that you would know pain and suffering beyond which we can know. Lord, that you came down with a mission for your people, That you willingly went to the cross. Let them drive the nails. Let them put on the crown of thorns. Let them scourge thee, all manner of things, O Lord. For sinners, sinners like me, help us to take it in, to know what it cost our Savior would be in agony for hours upon that cross for my sin. O oh Lord, help as we partake of this bread that we would know what it cost thee to remove our sin to make it possible that we may be reunited with our Father in heaven, <coughs> that we may know eternal life, all these precious gifts we praise thee lord jesus speak to our hearts help us this day help us to know to love and to serve thee we pray that you'd help us to show that love to others help us lord as we gather together in worship that we would give thee all the praise for thou art worthy we thank thee again and we ask those things in our precious Saviour's name. Amen.
0: We'll hold the bread till everyone is served, and then we'll read the words of institution and partake together, please. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11, The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Amen. Let us partake. Ask our brother, brother elder Mr. Samuel, to give thanks for the cup that reminds us of the shed blood of
3: our Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, for this time of communion. And Lord, as we are reminded, the beginning of this service as we sang that hymn holy, holy, holy Lord you left the glories of heaven to come down to this sin sick world Lord where sinners dwell Lord where you came dwelt amongst us Lord where you preached the gospel Lord where you um, served and ministered to those who were Uh, the destitute or those who were the outcasts. Lord, we think upon ourselves that, Lord, we were Lord, lost sinners Lord, far from Thee, that needed salvation to be right with thee. And, Lord, you extended your hand of mercy towards us. And, Lord, you went even further. You went to the cross on Calvary. Lord, were you took the punishment not just at the hands of men but at the hand of God where you took the cup of wrath and lord where your blood was spilled lord and shed for us shed for the atonement for sins for the forgiveness of sins lord thank you for going to that cross on our behalf lord that should be us but lord it is impossible for us to pay that price Thank you Lord for dying for lost sinners and opening the way for us to be forgiven that we may have our sins forgiven that we may know thee that we may know the Living God and that we may have new life in Christ Thank you Lord for this sacrifice Lord help us to never forget Lord what it cost thee. And Lord, what, uh, it, what it means for us going forward. Help us to live for thee, Lord. Help us to have this greater love for thee as, as we heard today. Lord, help us to uh, have the heart of Christ, to have that love for, for thee first most, Lord, that we would love you even more. And love our uh, neighbors, um, Lord, as we love ourselves. Help us to be your salt and light. In this world, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Again, we'll hold the cup till everyone is served. Thank you. The word of God says, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This to ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. Let us partake. going to sing the last two verses of Hymn 335. 335 verses 4 and 5, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. 335 verses 4 and 5 only, and we'll stand as we sing. in
1: heaven,
0: thank thee for thy goodness and grace toward us as a congregation this day. We do pray that thou would bless this time around thy table to us, and that we would receive that grace, that we would mortify the deeds of the flesh, that we would show forth love in all that we do, rejoicing in the love of the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, speak to every heart. Draw sinners to thyself. Enable us as thy people to grow closer to thee. And, Father, we do remember our services the remainder of this day. Blessing the car home this afternoon. Bless thy word as it goes forth. And, Father, part us now with thy blessing. May the love of God our Father, the grace of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet communion of God the Holy Spirit, Be with us all. Amen.